Join me as we continue to pray. Holy God, we do thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. That is a a sure foundation upon which we can build our lives, upon which we can build our church, upon which we can bank for help and for hope when no one else can help. Speak to us this morning through your spirit and your word and encourage us again to faithfully live out this call to be your people in this place, to learn again how to put our faith into action. And we will thank you and praise you through Jesus Christ our Lord in whose name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Add my welcome this morning. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here. If you are visiting with us uh, this morning or it's been your first uh, or second time here, we'd love to get to know you better. You can fill out one of these Connect cards. uh, And uh, if you want to turn them in to one of our lovely and talented worship center or worship center, welcome center hosts out in the lobby, we have a little gift to give you this morning that's just our way of saying thank you for coming out to church this morning. Uh, But it is a way that can help us to get to know you better, and we are glad that you're here. We are continuing in our series that we are calling Faith in Action, where we are recognizing that on this spiritual journey of our lives, God sometimes brings us to those moments in time when choices need to be made. Crossroad moments in life often come when God asks us to choose to trust in him with some aspect of our life, or to follow him in a new direction that he is inviting us to go so that he can bless us with the gift of his presence and his power in our lives. These are moments that increase our understanding and our experience of God if we allow him to show up in ways that allow us to discover greater meaning and purpose and fulfillment in the lives that he's called us to live. These are often times when God calls us to demonstrate our faith in him by putting our faith into action. At Faith Covenant Church, we believe that God has prepared this season as just such a time for us now, and he is ready to take us on an adventure together. The story of the Exodus for us is a reminder in this season of both the challenges and the courage it takes to put our trust fully in God for our future. We've been introduced to a book by Max Lucado called Glory Days, where he talks about how in the story of the Exodus, we have to understand that the geography is our theology. And what he means by that is as we look at the story of Israel in Egypt, we have to understand that the experience in Egypt was like our experience before salvation. It was when we were enslaved to the bonds of our sin, when we were lost apart from God, and our deliverer showed up. Jesus Christ came and made a way through the Red Sea so that we could go on a journey with God to the promised land that he would have for us. Our promised land, he suggests in the book, isn't a location, but it's a a spiritual reality. It's an experience with God out of which we live that can be filled with challenges and difficulties, but also is a land of God's presence and God's promises. Too often, we don't experience the Christian life as living in the promised land, though. We often experience more as wandering in the wilderness. Last week, we saw how uh, persuaded by the negative scouts who went in to spy out the land and the the negative story that they told, the people were swayed to to turn their backs on God and to, to call for new leadership that would take them back to Egypt because going back to Egypt seems more favorable than going in and taking the land that God had promised them. Another thing I'd like to suggest this morning that we need to understand is the promised land in the story of the Exodus is not intended for us to understand it to be heaven. 
right? It's not the end of the road for the people of Israel. The promised land is not a a place where there's no more dying, where there's no more pain, where there's no more tears. It's not heaven. It's a destination on our journey with God that is part of experiencing his presence and his provision in our lives, but it still comes with hard work, and we have to trust God with our lives because even the promised land is filled with giants and fortified cities and difficulties that we have to face. It's a place in this world. It's a destination or a location that God invites us to enter into through his presence and through his provision. And entering the land for the Israelites wasn't, as we said, their final destination. It was simply a new beginning on their journey with God as part of his larger plan to bring redemption to the whole world, to you and to me. The promised land was intended to be a sign and a symbol of his promise and his power at work in their lives and ultimately of his love for his people. Yet, as we've said, it can be a place that is filled with difficulty and challenges, that it requires trust to follow God into the land because it requires an ongoing response on our part to say yes to God and to believe that he can see us through the challenges. It requires us to put our faith into action. Unfortunately, as we look at the story, the people of Israel were not ready to put their trust fully in God. And so it apparently required a longer and more difficult time of training and transformation in order for them to be prepared to be God's people in the way that he had called them to be. We pick up the story in Numbers chapter 14, where we left off last week. We're going to be starting in verse 5. Again, we're not going to be able to read the whole thing, but I would encourage you in your own time this week to go back and read the full story here in Numbers 13 and 14, because it's a great story. We just can't hit all of the text here in one hour. But picking it up at verse 5 of chapter 14, it says, Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Because again, they they were going to oust Moses and Aaron, right? And say, we want to go back to Egypt. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, were also among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the whole assembly talked about stoning them. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with the plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than they. Okay, now let's pause there for a second because we have to really understand God's done with these people, right? I mean, he's ready to say, okay, you guys are done, over with. I'm going to go to my guy Moses and we're going to start all over again from the beginning, right? Just like he did with Abraham to start building a people, to build a nation. He's going to start all over with Moses and and he's just going to go back to the drawing board. And Moses goes, oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. God, we know that, we know that you, you know, think about your reputation, I mean, you brought these people out of Egypt from slavery. You brought them all the way up here. to. If you don't, you know, protect these people, everyone around here is going to go, uh, yeah, that God of the, the Israelites, he, he can't do what he promises. And don't forget, God, you, you've told us that you're a God of faithfulness and love. 
And, and because of your faithfulness and love, forgive these people. Yeah, they, they messed up, but, but don't kill them. <laughs> Let them live. So moved by Moses' love and concern for the people, God is moved in his heart. And we're going to jump down to verse 26. And it says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked community grumble against me? I have heard their complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very thing I heard you say. In this wilderness, your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. As for your children that you said would be taken as plunder... I will bring them in to enjoy the land that you have rejected. So we see God decides not to wipe out his people, Israel, but he sends them, he gives them what they asked for, right? Be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. So, okay, you want to go back to Egypt? Go wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And when the next generation comes of age, then maybe we can try this thing again and see if we can get it to work out. They missed their opportunity with Moses and Aaron prostate in a position of petition before God on their faces, you know, begging God for these people. Joshua and Caleb are the only ones who stand up to say, God has given us this land. Let's go take it. But the people didn't want to hear that. They just said, well, let's kill those guys because they're leading us in a direction that we don't want to go. The two faithful scouts who get nothing for their trouble except the threat of stoning, ultimately become the ones who God promises will be the leaders of the next generation. The glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting, it says, and all the people we can only assume are humbled by God's uh, visible presence appearing, right? Moses had heard God talk like this before after that whole golden calf fiasco, right? And God had changed his mind. So go, Moses says, okay, God, I, I know these people are tough, but, but just continue to work with us here. Uh, use your merciful love to help us get through this difficult time. And it's interesting that rather than citing any of the redeeming qualities of God's people, Moses pleads for the redeeming qualities of God, right? That we've said that over and over again this fall. It's not about how good we are. It's about how good God is. So God, in, in, in response to Moses' pleas, changes his heart, and, and he allows them to live, but with consequences. We see in this story, I'd like to suggest this morning, that before Israelite can experience the glory days, they come to this in-between time of the land between. There often seems to be a season of formation or transformation that's necessary for us to be prepared by God to, to be able to see him in a new way or to receive the new thing that he has for us to experience. To be able to appreciate God's presence and his provision, we are often led into these in-between times in our lives where we're forced to ask hard questions. Is God really with us? Is God really for us? Where is God leading us? Yet we also know that the desert is a hard place to live. Egypt, although it was the land of slavery and suffering, it was also a land that, that was filled with vegetation and agriculture, right? They had the Nile River. It was one of the most fertile places on the planet at the time. 
And then Canaan, too, the place was that was going to be their future home, was a land flowing with milk and honey. The spies had gone in and affirmed that, yes, this was an amazing land. They have, you know, clusters of grapes that you have to carry on a pole. They're so big. Yet here they are, stuck in the middle between these two seemingly desirable places. And God says, no, you're going to live in a place that is undesirable, a place you don't want to live, but I will be with you in that place. There's another book that talks about this aspect of the Exodus story, and it's called The Land Between, and how we find God in difficult transitions. And in this book, Jeff Mannion talks about how The life in between, life in the wilderness, can also be a metaphor for us to help us understand how we too can deal with those undesired transitions in our lives. Those times when life takes an unexpected turn that that maybe it's from our own choosing or maybe it's not from our fault, but it's something else that happens. It's that dreaded time you hear the words, it's cancer. Or it's that phone call at two o'clock in the morning saying, Dad, I'm in jail. Or it's the unexpected words that you hear, I want a divorce. Sometimes life doesn't always work out the way we hope it will, right? And when we find ourselves in these in-between times, these desert places, we're tempted, like the people of Israel, to, to, to wonder, where is God in the midst of that? Can God really be for me when life isn't working out the way that I expect it to? This land between, that space where we feel lost or lonely or deeply hurt, can be fertile ground for our spiritual transformation and for God to do his deepest work in us. Yet it can also be the space where we grow resentful and bitter in our response to God's leading in our life. The author of the book says, The wilderness where faith can thrive is the very desert where it can dry up and die if we are not watchful. How about you this morning? Have you ever been in a desert place in your life? Maybe you're in a land between right now this morning. And you're wondering, does God see? Does God care? Does God even know what I'm going through? And I'd like to suggest for you this morning that that even though these times come and, and, and we can't always avoid them, God wants to be with us and use them as deeply transformative times in our lives. Finding ourselves in the land between can be profoundly disorienting because we don't know what's going on. We don't know what's coming next. We don't know how to move forward. But it also provides a space in our lives for us to begin to pay attention to where God is working and what God wants to do in our hearts and in our lives. And so our response to God in difficult times in this land between is what determines whether our journey with God through the desert will result in deep, positive growth or will it lead to continual spiritual decline. See, our hope at Faith Covenant Church is to avoid the pitfalls that we see in the Israelites in this story, right? I mean, that would be our desire is to to, to be those confident people that trust God and that are willing to go in and take the land. And yet we need to also recognize that we, just like the Israelites, are prone to the same mistakes that they made. We're capable of having the same kinds of feelings they had. We're easily tempted by the same things that tempted them. And, and, and we are easily able to find ourselves in the midst of this story. People often quote a common proverb when people are in times of pain and tragedy, right? Time heals all wounds. 
Time heals all wounds. Well, some people heal over time, and time can help. But other people can use that same time to become more and more embittered and acidic in their lives. And they can begin to doubt God, and they can actually use that time to lose their faith. So the land between always forces us to choose whether we're going to put our faith into action and trust God or whether they're going to want to go back to what we've known in the past, go back to Egypt. As the story continues, as a result of their experience with God in this tent where God shows up and they realize, oops, we've made a mistake. We've made God mad. They get up the next morning and they say, let's go take the land. And Moses goes, no, 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 no. God isn't with you anymore. God, you've missed the opportunity. Don't go take the land because if you try and go take the land and God isn't with you, it's not going to work out good. And they go, oh, no, 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 we can do it. So they march up the hill and they go to take the land. And of course, they get beat all the way back down into the Valley of Hormah. And we learn that in these desert times, it's often tempting for us to want to get out ahead of God too, to not wait for God's leading and God's guidance and to follow him, but to say, oh no, we know what we need to do. We can do it in our own strength. We can just go and do it. And we find ourselves out of sync with what the spirit has been wanting and it works out not so well for us as well. See, before they were unwilling to go where God led, now they want to go where God is no longer leading. See, the key in all of this is, are we willing to put our trust in God and follow his leading? That's part of what the value of being Christian community is about, is that we need to be listening together for the voice of God's spirit, so that when we choose to go and we say, God is leading us here, it's because we've listened to God's word, and we've listened to the voice of the spirit with one another, and together we are saying that we trust that God is leading us where he's calling us to go. But the Israelites, having lost their opportunity, thinking they've turned around and are still on the road to failure, find that this in-between time is now what's ahead of them. In the wilderness travels of the Israelites, God wanted to grow a very specific fruit in the midst of this harsh environment. He wanted to produce a relationship of trust with his people. This trusting relationship with God would be essential for the people's ability to to fulfill the destiny that he had for them. And once they had entered into the promised land, they were to live differently than the people around them. They were to be a reflection of who God created them to be and and the God who saved them and to, to be a reflection of his character in their lives. See, the idea would be that other nations around them would see how they were different, would recognize that God's favor was upon them and that they would want to know more about this creator God of the people of Israel, whose character was marked by faithfulness and truth and dependability and honor because of their encounters with the people of God who were people who were faithful and truthful and dependable and honorable. See, the people of God were to demonstrate through their lives what this creator God was like, to become a reflection of his character. And if we understand that God's ultimate goal in leading us through even these lands between these difficult spaces in our lives where we sometimes wonder if God is there, his purpose is to build his character in us. Our job is simply to put our trust in him and allow him to do that work so that on the other side, we can experience the joy of the promised land. God's purpose is always for our transformation, right? 
Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We know, do we know that? We know, Paul says, that in all things, even the hard things, even the things that we don't want to experience, even in those things, God is at work. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Men and women, even in those times of the desert places in our lives, and and, and I don't know where you're at this morning, you might be finding yourself in the midst of the wilderness yourself. But God is with you and wants to work through even those difficult places for your good and for his glory. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. Now, we can resist God and with a spirit of complaint, cry out to God and say, God, why are you doing this to me? Why have you messed up my life? Why are you ruining this good thing that I had going? Or we can resist the spirit of complaint and we can cry out to God with the desperate cries of our heart to say, God, I need you. God, I love you. God, I I need your power to save me and rescue me in this difficult, trying place in my life. Believing that when we cry out, he hears us. Knowing that he responds because he loves us. That's what communion is all about. We're we're invited to come to this this holy feast as a reminder that God has heard your cries. God knows your pain, so much so that he sent his very son to be broken and to shed his blood for the very difficult life that we have so that we don't have to believe that God doesn't care, but we can know that God is here with us and can help us like no other can. And so as a faith community, as we move forward on this journey with God into the promised land. I want to pray for each of you this morning. And and if you're in one of those desert places, that maybe this can be your opportunity to find some new healing, some new resources, some new provision through God's spirit because he's with you and he wants to work all things for your good because you love him and he has called you according to his purposes. Would you pray with me?